Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Guys, thanks for tuning in. It is mid-June. I have a couple updates for you guys on today's podcast. We're going to go over uh, pretty much the Northern 70 and the headway that I've made in the past, I don't know, two months or so. There's been some big changes. Um, things are progressing. I'm going to tell you guys all about it, how it went down, what we're actually doing on the property, and you know what's to come. Um, we're going to cover a little bit of the Total Archery Challenge as well. For those of you who were not able to make it, and, uh, you know, just try to learn some things today about how we can help you guys select the right forester, the right logger, and, um, you know, what to look for in your timber. So thanks for tuning in. I want to thank everybody for coming back. Guys had some great reviews left last week at Habitat Podcast on iTunes. I have 500 more decals being made and sent to me. I need to get those in the mail to the folks that have been great enough to leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Guys are reaching out, emailing me, telling me they left a review, and you guys are going to have decals coming your way. So if you don't mind, scroll down in the show notes below, hit the link for the Apple iTunes review, type us out something nice if you'd be so kind, and uh, put your name in there or email me, info at habitatpodcast.com. And um, we just appreciate the five-star reviews, guys. That helps us keep up with everything and, you know, really uh, – you know, for all the free content here, it just it really helps us continue to be able to provide and, and keep this train moving forward. So we thank you guys very much for that. Guys, we have some pretty exciting news. We have a brand new partner here at Habitat Podcast. Doug from Downburst Cedars has joined. We are talking about his food plot cedar, not a cedar tree, guys and implement for your HEV, for your side-by-side -side, to help put down the correct amount of seed on your food plots. So tell you a little bit about Downburst Cedars. Downburst Cedars deliver precision small seed spreading for all your food plot and screening needs. 
precision small seed spreading. Now, if you guys are like me, it's easy to overseed a brassica plot, turnip plot. You know, the purple top turnip seeds are so tiny. You use half the bag, you got a little bit left out. What the heck? I'll throw them out there. You actually don't want to do that. You want to seed to the correct rate because they will compete with each other and you will get a, you know, lackluster food plot with it being stunted. You know, the bulbs will not get as big as they can if they have the proper space. We do the same thing with our vitalized seed. We put the correct amount in there so they have the room to grow and get to their full potential. Well, downburst cedars helps with just that. They're lightweight, durable, easy to maneuver. They're a drop cedar that fit virtually any vehicle. They have a ground wheel driven seed meter. So kind of like a lot of the grain drills back in the day, a ground wheel that, that drives the meter and they provide precise seed rates regardless of the speed you are going on your ATV. So you don't have to worry about like with my with my um, salt spreader I use for revitalize how fast you're going, how slow you're going. This takes the guesswork out of cover crop planting and even, you know, achieves the perfect coverage and the proper seed rate. Uh, clovers, brassicas, alfalfa, switchgrass, any small seed species, you know, you're saving money by planting the correct amount. Switchgrass, that stuff's not cheap anymore. Um, alfalfa, same thing. So check them out today, guys. Downburst Cedars, that's down, B-U-R-S-T, downburstseeders.com. Follow them on Facebook. And uh, we have a code specially for Habitat Podcast listeners. It is HP10. With Downburst Cedars, know exactly what you're putting down. Use code HP10. You get 10% off one of these cedars. That's a serious chunk of change off of one of these cedars. These things, I saw them in person. I went to Doug's house in northern Michigan. I saw them in person. It is a work of art. I keep calling it that because Doug is a, an engineer. Um, he can weld aluminum. These things are badass. And, and I'm not just saying that. I was I was impressed whether Doug was going to work with us or not. I was impressed with what I walked up to and saw. We tested it out. I watched it work. I saw the different seed rates coming out in a catch bin. And we calculated it. We measured it. It was the exact seed rate per his seed chart. We weighed it, everything. I've seen it work. I know it works. And it is perfect for those of you who, you know, like me, have a short amount of time to get a lot done and want it to be done right and perfect. Check out Downburst Cedars. Follow him on Facebook. Tell him Habitat Podcast sent you. Give Doug a big old welcome here to the Habitat Podcast uh, network. All right, guys. I also want to thank acres.com. So acres.com is a premier land website. I use acres.com. I use their upgraded membership. I check I'm I'm in the I'm in the search for parcels right now, right? So you guys know I sold my 15 acres. I'm on the search, in the search, on the search for another parcel to purchase. If anybody has any leads, uh let me know. I'll even give you a, a referral bonus, some habitat merch or a case of beer or, or something. Um, let me know. Looking for that next size up property, um, central Michigan, southern Michigan, maybe even northern Michigan up by the northern 70. If you guys have a listing in mind or something, let me know. Uh, I'd love to consider you know, the, the next property from a, a podcast listener. That'd be awesome. We sold the other one to the podcast listener, Tom. So 
Maybe we'll buy this new one from a podcast listener. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, we are the best group of habitat managers out there. Uh, so I think that, you know, this could easily happen. Anyways, back to it. I'm using acres.com to go through and inspect and kind of value these parcels I'm finding. Prices are all over the board. A lot of them are still high. But, you know, I can go see flood history, low ground, um, you know, crop history, you know, historical imagery, values, comps around the area. I'm able to find and kind of verify some of these pieces before I go out and look at them. So acres.com has also been doing a great job on their Instagram and Facebook. They So if you guys don't follow them, go check them out at acres.com. They uh, put out some really cool reels, like a reel today that we shared was the top 10 states that sell the cheapest land. And maybe that's not exactly how it was titled, but the top 10 states where land is the most affordable, um, et cetera. I didn't know that. So that was kind of a, a nice tidbit of information and they just, the reels and their, their social media have been top notch recently um, in terms of, you know, this interest of land that I have and, and me trying to learn. So check them out acres.com. Uh, they have a free membership. You can sign up for free and get a feel for it right now before, you know, moving forward or, or doing anything. You sit on the free membership if you want. Um, there's a link below. Tell them Habitat Podcast sent you. They're a supporter here at Habitat Podcast. A good company, great, great product, and that's what we stick with here, you know, at HP. So thank you all for checking them out, acres.com, link below in the show notes if you want to check them out. With everything else we talk about, there's always a link in the show notes. So uh, sorry if that gets annoying, but if you scroll down, everything we talk about is right there, including Exodus Outdoor Gear's brand new arrow setup they just came out with, brand new arrows. So check those out, guys. Let's get into it now. I want to thank the rest of our partners. I want to thank the listeners for the great reviews. Thank you, everyone on Habitat Chat for, you know, the awesome projects you guys post up there every day. The questions, almost up to 5,000 members on that group. We're very proud of that. And uh, we have the best Habitat Chat group out there. Um, no drama, no keyboard warriors. You know, everybody there is there to learn and, uh, you know, help support everybody and back everybody up. So thank you to all of our community who support us each and every week. Let's get thanking the rest of our sponsors and partners here and then get right into the show. United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties, First Light, Downburst Cedars, Acres.com, Morse Nursery, Packer Max, Cult of Packers, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Vitalize Seed Company. All right, get right into it. And we're right into it because I never left. Guys, we're talking about some cool stuff here today. I got some updates for you all. I want to share this. Um, I don't really get to talk about the Northern 70 too much on the podcast in terms of to give you guys an update. Brian and I haven't talked about it lately. I'm trying to get him up there to come see it with Al and, and Sam. Um, my buddy Steve, hopefully get him over there and see and see it. We're, we're moving forward and I want to explore. The more time i spend on the northern 70 the better i find that the property is and has potential to be um either way it's still a pain in the butt walking up and down those hills it's it's steep but there are deer in there and i'm going to tell you about it right now so first let's talk about total archery challenge uh guys what a, what a great weekend i want to thank 
uh, the Habitat podcast listeners that came up and said hi, introduced themselves, had a beer with them. Um, you guys are great. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for saying hi up at uh, Total Archery Challenge. Trevor, always good seeing you there. Um, got to hang with, you know, a bunch of my buddies, you know, from the Fall Podcast, Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast, uh, Latitude Outdoors. Those guys were all there. It, it was a good time. And uh, Kevin, Deer Hunter Podcast. Like, we just had a, a really good time. I don't shoot my bow as much as um, a lot of people do. And, you know, shame on me. It's just, uh, you know, when you get home and, and kids are, are waiting for you and this and that, I, I don't have time all the time to spend the hour to shoot my bow every night. Um, I'm going to try to get back into doing that more, though, because I really had a good time. I shot well. I shot the Exodus MMT arrows. I didn't break one of them. And, and I, shot it, I shot one into a tree at 90 yards. I shot one, there's a hundred, no, I think it was like an 80 something yard shot through the timber. And I put it up into a, into a branch sideways. Um, and the arrow just deflected down into the dirt. Two of the guys that were with were shooting other arrows that shattered upon hitting that branch. This arrow simply deflected downward and stuck straight in the dirt. I, I, I was blown away by how tough they were. I probably should have known that, but I did not know how tough those arrows are. I could not break one. The only thing that I did lose, I lost an arrow um, at 141-yard moose, and then I also had to pull an insert out when I stuck it into the stake of a target right in the leg. Uh, we pulled the arrow as hard as we could. Buddy of mine, John, a lot stronger than me, he got the arrow out, but the insert remained in the stake of the target. Those are the only two that I lost, and we shot three courses, um, a lot of, you know, 60 yard, 50 yard, 70, 80 yard shots, 100 yard shots. And for a guy who doesn't shoot that that much, I, I feel like I I held my own. So I'm super proud of that. <laughs> Lucky that I, I kept it in there and um, just really had a good time. And I forgot how much fun it is to, to go do that with some friends. Now, I did, uh, I did uh, peer pressure myself into a bet one night late after a few... Uh, few brewskis with my buddies my buddy brent and i were uh kind of formed into a bet um david riley over at the fall podcast put us into a bet and i couldn't say no so the bet was to shoot the next morning you know one versus one and if i won brent was gonna buy me a brand new set of the latitude carbon fiber sticks and uh, or composite carbon sticks and if if Brent won. I had to buy him the Latitude two-piece method saddle. Well, long story short, I lost by two points. Um, he got me by two targets, and uh, I had to pay the bet and fork it up, fork up the the saddle over to to Brent in front of everybody. That was awesome, not. And you know, it was fun. I I should have shot better out of the gate. I shot way better the day before, and um, I just I couldn't get off the tee, as we say in golf, uh, that next morning, and it cost me. So really good time throwing throwing some money down on it. You know, it was just a whole different aspect to it. And and Brent, congratulations, you son of a gun. Uh, you shot better. You deserve it. And uh, either way, you know somebody's. Somebody else we know is in a, in a saddle, a nice latitude saddle, learning how to do that mobile hunting thing even better than what they were doing before. So at the end of the day, it was a win, and it was fun. 
So I just urge you guys all, if you haven't done it, hopefully see y'all up there next year. Um, the registration is kind of a huge pain. It's getting to be a super big show. But if you can make it, come on up and uh, you know come say hi. And again, I appreciate the listeners who did come and say hi uh, while, while we were there. So we'd love to do that again, and we'll be there next year. All right, down to business here. Take a sip of my, my drink here. Last time we talked, I believe, about the Northern 70, it was still kind of status quo, right? It was still um, waiting for the Forester, pushing the Forester. Nothing's happening with the Forester. He keeps feeding me the line of, you know, yeah, we'll market this spring, we'll market this summer. And by by what I mean by market is market, you know, with the paint and take stock, take inventory of what's there. Well, after shaking the bushes around there with some other people, some other loggers, I found out that they might have too much on their plate or I might be waiting even multiple more years to get my timber cut. Um, when I heard that, I was just kind of, you know, kind of knew that wasn't going to work. Kind of angry, kind of annoyed. I just knew that I cannot wait. I've already waited a year and a half since we bought the place. Um, and to be fair, I only had the forester out there probably about a year ago. So I've waited about a year for anything to get done and nothing's gotten done. And to find out that there may be a backlog of multiple years after this, I started, you know, pivoting. So a good friend of mine, Matt Zoll out of Northern Muskegon, you guys have heard him on the podcast multiple times. He referred me with to his forester and I gave him a call. And this forester, um, logger, I'm sorry. He's a logger. So I'm I have my forestry plan written by the original forester, approved with the conservancy. So now we have a plan. And this forester that I was working with is going to find a logging operation, a processor, to come take the trees. So what I did is I pretty much went and found a processor slash logger for him. Um, and with that, kind of kind of broke ties. I don't want to say fired. We just kind of went different directions on the original forester who wrote the plan, who's from that area, had a great reputation from somebody I personally know, but nothing was getting done. I uh, broke ties with that and and decided I'm going in another direction. So this new guy, him and his two sons, drove up. They're like three hours away, three and a half hours away from this property. They live down what side of the state too. Um, and they were willing based on what Matt told them and, and what I had told them to come up and check it out and, and do an original walk with. So they did, they came up and they've actually cut in that area before. And um, on our original walk, you know, I noticed a couple things. First of all, I noticed that uh, one, like one of the forester's sons had, had fallen um, in Iraq as, as a Marine Corps um, and, and I just saw, you know, they had the stickers in the back of the truck and, and I was asking about it. So first of all, you know, prayers for, for everybody who's in the, the Marine Corps and, and our, 
our services, uh, especially those who have given their life. You know, you guys hear us talk about that, and you know we're big supporters. Um, but that really kind of gave me the ideology of who these folks were, you know, what kind of uh, people they are, and um, and just gave me, you know, maybe 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 a plus in the right direction. So they support our, our armed services as well, um, et cetera. So that's kind of just one little feeling I had. You know, um, the original meeting went, went well. Uh, they seemed to want to do everything I want to do. They're very conscious of their customer and the relationship and uh, you know, said all the right things up front. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. You know, I know how that goes. Um, we'll see when, you know, put your money where your mouth is type thing. So we start walking through the woods and, um, these guys are super impressed with all the, the mature timber and, you know, you can tell they're getting a little excited and, you know, we, we have a lot, of, we're blessed with a lot of good maple on the Northern 70 up there. And, uh, really, I don't really know what I had and now I kind of do. So one thing that was interesting was, and, and you guys all know this, who follow the timber markets. Last year, when I had that other forester out there, well, the market was still really high. And this year, they've gone down quite a bit. And and to put numbers on that, um, this new logger said last year was the market was at a 9 out of 10. This year, it's more like a 5 out of 10. And and he said something along the lines of, you know, if I, if I was here a year ago, I'd have been running up and down these hills marking this timber and I'm and I'm 66 years old. So that was kind of, you know, a bummer to to hear both financially and time timeline wise. You know, if I could have cut had this cut a year ago, I'd be a year further into my habitat, which is my main goal here. So to know that we left a lot of money on the table, nobody wanted to get anything done last year, and there's more value um, you know, that we could have had kind of sucks. Again, you know, take it with a grain of salt. We're not done with this project yet. So I, I was bummed to hear that, but, you know, he, he assured me we still have some really good timber value in there. And um, I had to take off. So those guys, they walked the property that day and they called me after and uh, said they'd be interested in working with me. So they came up a, a total of three times since then. To mark trees. So the first time they came up, I actually met them up there. We went over a contract. We signed a deal. They're going to have a cut by January 1st. So within the next six months, six and a half months. Now, some of that's going to be during deer season, I imagine. Um, I am okay with that, knowing the bigger picture, right? See the forest through the trees. I know I've already sacrificed two falls up there with a mature woods type setting that has been jacked for deer hunting or any wildlife habitat. So if I have to give up one more fall, but I get this place cut, I'm doing it. And I don't know when they're going to cut, but I know they have till the end of the year. And that was part of the deal, part of the contract. Nobody else put that in their contract. Um, I did when I had my 15 cut, that was part of the deal in that contract too. But there was like a year and a half that they had to do that. This guy's like, I'll do it in six months. And and we're gonna it'll be our responsibility to get you the best value we can because we got our, you know, 15% commission on this. The other guy was, I think, 14. And they're going to 
work for me to get this timber sold at the highest value and cut and out of there as, as soon as I can. So sign the contract. We're moving forward. They've been up there three times painting trees. So I was up there the second time and I come into the woods and there I was planting my vitalized spring nitro boost plot. Um, and before I had to, to rip home, I went down in the woods and I found them and I was walking through the woods before I got to them and I'm seeing trees painted. You know, there are, there are not that many total trees painted, I guess, as what I was anticipating. Um, so I brought that up, you know, to them. And what we're going to do is we're taking, and, and, we, and we talked about it and, Originally, you know, we're going to set this up for a little bit of timber value and then habitat as well. So kind of a blended, you know, land plan here um, that I'm going to do on this property, knowing that this can produce value for every, you know, every eight to 10 years for until I'm dead, my kids and everything else. So knowing now kind of what we have to work with, we're going to be taking 10% or less of the maple. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, and it didn't look like a lot, and it's probably not a lot. He's, you know, it's, you're talking single digit percentages of the trees we're removing. Well, these trees that we're removing are giant. They are, um, you know, 22, 24 dBH, uh, big maple. And so there's smaller ones in there too. And we're leaving a lot that are on the cusp to be cut that are going to you know be ready in eight to 10 years. So this initial cut is more of a preparation to kind of get us started. It's like when we talk about rototilling your food plot for the very first time and then going no-till after that or minimum tillage after that. You're getting kind of that clean slate or that that good you know starting point to the woods. So in addition to the maple we're cutting, we are taking out every beech tree we can there's beech blight in that area there has been beech blight in that area and um the trees are going to die anyways so we're taking out the beach that's part of the requirement aspen popple poplar whatever you guys want to call them i like to call them aspen there are aspen there that are 26 28 inches in diameter the biggest aspen i've ever seen in my entire life I mean, this place hasn't been cut in, in years. There's no stumps. You cannot find a stump on that property that has a chainsaw ran through it. Um, probably because of the steepness of the terrain. I mean, these guys, they're like, we're not afraid of some hills. Where the other guy who we departed ways with, he kept falling back on that. I got to find somebody who wants to deal with the hills. Find, you know, just excuses, in my opinion, for lack of a better term. Um, and I don't and I don't really deal with that in life. There's a way to do something. We can get it done. We're going to figure it out. We're going to do it. Depends how bad you want it, right? So these guys are willing to do it. They're not afraid of some hills. Well, I digress, but there's this big, big aspen in there. I mean, I got a picture of my son against one. It's just it's just huge. So they're taking those as well because there are two or three of those that have snapped off and fallen over. And that's what aspen do. Uh, when they get too mature, over mature, they break off and they fall over. And these things are huge, guys. So they're taking those as well. And what that's going to do is send up, you know, 
probably millions of aspen shoots from the roots of those trees. That's how that works. When you cut one of those trees, they sense that they're being, you know, attacked or or, cut, or whatever you want to call it, and they shoot up roots, or I'm sorry, shooters, suckers from all the roots. I'm sure there's a more proper term for that. So hopefully, you, you forestry guys out there don't don't laugh at me too bad. But I know that every big aspen we take out is going to open the canopy and send up a ton of deer food and cover. And that neck of the woods up there, there's no corn and beans around. Okay. We're talking clear cuts. And that's what they that's what they eat, browse. Deer eat browse most of the time, anyways. But these big aspen are gonna go. So we got the beach we're removing, the aspen we're gonna remove. I saw some really nice big yellow birch, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, walking with a forester or a logger, guys, I just urge you to do it whenever you can. I mean, every time I do it, I learn more and more and more, and it's so intriguing to me. I mean, I have an interest in this stuff, as you guys know, but like, it's so intriguing to learn all this different type of stuff. So big yellow bush on there, um, excuse me, and they're helping me point these out and showing me, you know, yeah, this is, this is pretty neat. We don't see them get this big very often, you know, and the one had been marked before. Somebody went in there and marked all the timber. The paint was still on the trees, hard to read. So the, the logger thinks, you know, three to five years ago, but nobody ever cut anything. So to see the big yellow birch was cool. Now, we do have a lot of balsam fir and hemlock down in the swamp where the creek runs through the middle. We're not allowed to cut that area or touch that area, according to our easement with the conservancy. Guys, I'm okay with that. There's big old cedar and hemlock in there. It's thermal cover. And that's where the deer are going to be bedding along the water's edge down there, especially when we open up some of the canopy to the south and to the north, more sunlight's going to get in there, make it even thicker. And we're going to have this awesome cover, secured cover that runs through the center of the property. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. Um, you know, maple, beech, what did I miss? Aspen, balsam. Oh, up top by the cabin, by the road, we have about, I think it's four to six acres of red pine and scotch pine. Mature, ready to go. We're going to leave some around the cabin for aesthetic purposes, and we're cutting the rest. Yeah. That's going to be a nice clearing. It's probably going to be where the landing deck is for the loggers when they're dragging stuff up the hill. And um, and those are the different sections of timber or the different uh, you know, units, they call them, in the, in the forestry world. So we, you know, we have the slope tills, which has the aspen, the beech, and the maple, and then the top is the pines, and the bottom has you know, the balsam fir and, and the hemlock and this and that. Um, basically, they're going to take everything out of there for beech and aspen and pine, and it's all going to shoot up thick and nasty, treetops on the ground, sunlight to the forest floor, everything I love. Um, the maple. We, I walked with them for 20 minutes that day before I had to jet, and we identified three veneer trees in 20 minutes. Um, so I asked what a veneer tree was. That's where, you know, you have this untouched trunk. No branches coming off it. No knots in it. Big, beautiful, you know, pristine hunk of, of tree trunk, um, you know, on, on this these big mature trees. So, and while I was there for 20 minutes, we 
we mark three veneer maples. So we're thinking there's some good value in there. I'm excited to see what comes back for the bid and, um, you know, get moving to the next, the next step of the process here. Now we were in there the other day and, and kind of what's cool about this whole thing is I'm learning the property as I'm walking the woods with these guys, I'm out there. I'm trying to find, you know, buck beds and rubs. And I'm doing that guys. I found and marked multiple beds on the hillsides. So they're bedding up higher on the hill, not all the way at the top. There are some on top, but there are some on the side hill too. So I'm marking these beds. These are Northern facing slopes, probably more of a summer bed. And we're finding a lot of rubs, a couple scrapes, but more rubs and beds than scrapes. So I'm marking all this. I'm learning the parcel. Um, you know, and, and what we we're doing the other day is we were up there cutting in food plots. So I had, I made a land plan for this. I submitted it to the conservancy before we brought the parcel and they approved my, my food plot locations, etc. So what the forester or the logger had asked me to do, our current logger, the new one, go in there, mark the perimeter of your food plots so we know, you know, we'll, we'll scale up every tree that's within the food plot and we'll make sure we cut everything down in that food plot some of it'll go to to board foot some of it'll go to pulp and um but that way you have your clearings that you needed we'll leave stumps and you can come in here when you're done with a mini excavator and pick them or a dozer push them out of the way so i was up there this last weekend and my son easton he wants to go paint trees and i have like two and a half hours to get this done I'm like, all right, buddy, you know, sure. Come on down with daddy. And, uh, you know, at first I was a little bit like, oh man, I'm not gonna get this done. It's gonna take forever dragging this little guy down there. And at the end of it, I'm glad I did it. I wouldn't have done it any other way. He's, he just turned five. He's a little guy still, but he kicked butt. So give a kid a can of spray paint and tell him to paint a tree. I mean, I've never seen him smile so much. It was awesome. Um, all we did was take, yellow paint and do vertical lines on the trees around the perimeter of the food plots. So I ended up painting in three plots. Um, plot one is 1.85 acres, big plot. Plot two, 1.5 acres. And plot three is probably a quarter to a half acre. Um, not as big as I could get in there. I'm trying to find, first of all, these plots are big. I don't normally recommend big plots. All you guys who have been land plan clients of Brian and I and, and our other HP land managers, you don't see two acre food plots very often, unless it's a destination food plot. Um, There's just Michigan deer and big deer who don't like pressure. Uh, I, I, it doesn't jive well with me, but this is different. We're up in the middle of nowhere. There are no destination cornfields, ag fields around. I need all the food I can get. I need the drawing power of the food. Will it make my hunting a little more challenging? Probably. Um, but the lowest hole in the bucket is the way that I'm looking at this. And high quality food or food plots in general even um, are lacking. So, you know, we taking out a total of, what's that? Not even five acres on a 70. It's still not very much. I'm going to add some more. I got the power lines I'm working with. It'll be a little bit bigger. 
but that was just awesome going in there and where these are located. So I got the steep hillsides and this, this property called the belly of the beast for a reason. It's a big valley inside of two huge ridges. So up on the ridges is where all the good maple timber is growing. Then down in the bottom in the middle is where the creek is and the lowland and the swamp and the mud in between those two. So it'd be almost to the bottom and, you know, three quarters of the way down, the ground levels off a little bit. And coincidentally, we don't have great maple and timber in there. There is some, there still is some, it is growing in there, but not as much as up on the hillsides. So I elected, these locations are flat. I'll be able to get in there with my tractor, be able to plant it. And I mean, they're semi-flat, they're not flat, but it makes the most sense. And it's going to be tight against the cover. And that cover will be that creek bottom where the sunlight's currently getting through now big bunch of brush in there, et cetera. And then once we cut a bunch on, to, on the hillsides, you're going to have more cover up on the hillsides too. So I'm going to have very secure food plot locations between bedding and, and bedding. Bedding on top, bedding in the bottom. Me getting my behind in there quietly and securely is going to be the biggest issue of this whole thing. But I already have some plans on that too. Um, so that's where I put them. I put them on both sides of the creek bottom. Um, again, you're looking at, you know, probably four, I think we carved in maybe four acres of pasta down there. Um, so Ethan and I got doing that. I'll put some pictures up on Habitat Podcast Facebook. He had a great time. We found some buck rubs. We found some beds, found some mushrooms. Um, you know, we, we crossed through the mud. He only fell in the mud once. Let's see. What else did we do? He painted a bunch of trees. His hands are still yellow. It was just an awesome time. And I just urge everybody who, you know, who has kids or maybe you have a nephew or somebody you can bring out there, get them out there. I, I mean, whatever hindrance it's going to be is totally worth the look on their face when they're running through the woods, when they're having snacks out there, listening to birds, you know, finding frogs, painting trees. It was awesome. He's going to he's he's going alongside with me. He does it all the time. We go hunting together and everything else. And uh, it was just awesome to be able to do that again with him out there. So basically, we ended it that day with the timber guys um, needing to go get more paint. So there's more timber in there than they originally thought as well. That you know that everybody's that's not a, that's a good thing for everybody, I guess. Um, the to do from here on out is to they're going to have to get up there one more time, a fourth time to finish marking all the timber. They're writing down every tree, the size, the DBH, what kind of tree it is. They have to go find processors. Um, we're assuming it's going to be a different processor for the hardwood versus the pulpwood, different equipment as well. And um, get that all, all going here pretty soon. One of my to do's, I have to find access to certain parts of the property. One of them is such a steep hillside that no matter what big aspen we cut, it's going to drop and fall onto the neighbors. There's only one way to go down, and it's down the hill onto the neighbors. I have to talk to them and try to get them to allow us to go in on their side. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge. 
they I'm not sure uh, how it's gonna go. Uh, so I have that to do, and then the on the north side as well, I'll try to come in from that side um, could be equally beneficial. So if, and if that doesn't happen, I guess we you know we're not gonna get every tree cut that we want to cut, but that's part of this. Um, and, and then the one neighbor to the would be the east. He really doesn't want anything to do with it. He's no, I don't want anybody coming through here. Too private. Hey, I, I don't know. That wasn't working out. So that's on my to-do list. Trying to get better access for my guys and then wait for the bid. Make a decision and get this going. Um for for the, the betterment of the property. Like the sooner we cut, even if the market is not at top value, which kind of sucks financially. My goals have always been more habitat related. I can't sit around and wait any longer to get this cut. Um, you know, unless, unless really, really shouldn't, but I'm trying to do this to get better hunting sooner. And then, you know, eight to 10 years, we'll be here quicker versus if we wait. So, you know, thinking of, of the next cut in mind down the road, thinking of the habitat that could be, brought back the apple trees that could be planted no, i can't do anything until this is cut because i don't want anything getting ruined by these falling trees these loggers etc i have english oaks in my basement ready to be planted i got more trees i'm putting in there i got food plots that need to go in so this is all hinging on like or, you know, no pun intended on this this logging operation here so that's kind of where we're at guys um you know, it's, it's been a lot in the last two months versus not a lot in the last year before that. So I'm pretty excited about it. I know the deer are in there. The trails are in there. The rubs are in there. Um, I found one big scrape that I made last year that's still getting hit in June of this year, which is interesting. A mock scrape I made. And I'm going to get some new cameras down there. I have no cell service down in the belly of the beast there. So after talking with a couple of friends, I might be trying to, you know, a different way to, to get down there. Maybe some antennas that go up the tree further or um, some of the standard Exodus cameras down there. Then just have to go check them. But that's the update. Um, we'll be up there again in a few weeks, continuing to work. Um, I saw my vitalized plot when I was up there. Uh, we need rain like everybody else. Everybody else got some last night. We got hail last night here in Michigan. A lot of it. Got rain, got an inch at my house down here, and up north got mist. Last weekend, a bunch of guys got rain. Um, I bet I got a, a drizzle up there, enough to get the ground wet, and that's it. No big soaker. So still, guys, need you to pray for rain. Uh, fall food plotting will be here before we know it. Anticipating some more rain coming then, getting me back, you know, saving our rear ends on, on this food plot. And... Um, you know, there'll be some new stuff coming out with Vitalize, too, that'll, that'll help all of this. But food pots are up. Uh, got to go out to the 15 with the new buyer. Got to get some stands down, get some cameras pulled out of there. I'm going to go help him spray a clover plot, show him how to do that. Um, and kind of tell him how I hunted that property so he can do the same and be successful. So that's kind of cool. That's something I'm I'm very happy with, that this buyer is cool and is allowing me to remain a part of the property and, and help out when I can, you know, it's still bittersweet selling the 15, especially when you look at the 
long list and pile of work that needs to be done on the 70 or another parcel if I if I can get one bought here with the 1031. Um the 15 is ready to go. So it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet knowing, you know, I got I got a dough with triplets out in the food plot at the 15 last night and two toms in the background. Like <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. And it took a while to get there. And uh, you know, if you build it, they will come. So I, I know that I'll I'll be able to do it again, but it's uh it's cool. So, anyways, that's on the to-do list as well. Get out to the 15, get all my CRAP out of the woods and um help the new guys with with the 15 and, and hunt that. But yeah, that's about it, guys. Um, look for more podcasts to come. I have a great podcast we're recording early next week uh with my friend. He has farms in Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, and Iowa. We're going to talk about all things timber, you know, good, bad, and ugly, mistakes made, um, oak value, big, big deer. We're going to talk about all that next week. Uh, so appreciate you guys with the with the update here from the Northern 70. Thank you very much. And um, we'll get into wrapping this up by thanking our sponsors. I want to thank. Oh, that's not going to work. I want to thank Vitalize Seed Company, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cult of Packers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Down Burst Cedars, First Light, and United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you all again for coming back. We truly appreciate you coming to the Habitat Podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with a great episode as we become better Habitat managers. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.